Our scripture reading this evening is Proverbs 1, verses 8 to 19. If you would turn to the book of Proverbs, this is on page 669 in your pew Bibles. Remember last time we went through verse chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, and saw that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, that that sets the stage for all of what Proverbs will have to say. It sets the stage for wisdom literature itself. All of it is, in, is unlocked with that truth. It's the fear of the Lord. It's faith in him. And in that New Testament way, it's faith in Christ that is the beginning of wisdom. Without that truth, we have none. Without that understanding, there's no way to be wise. And we see in these next verses, the father of Proverbs instructs his son on the way of wisdom. Before we read, let's ask for that very wisdom by turning to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, as we open your word, as we open to a text that presents to us true wisdom, we pray that you would give it to us, that we would, by hearing your word proclaimed by belief, by grasping it with the hands of faith, that we would indeed become wise, that you would help those of us, as we are so simple, as we are at times even so foolish, that we would be able to know what is right, as we, that we would be able to know the way of Christ, to walk as he walked, the true embodiment, the true expression of all that is good and wise. And so may we live in this way. Give to us understanding and to the praise of your name through the meditation of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Proverbs 1, verses 8 and following. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. For they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole. Like those who go down to the pit, we shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. For their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. Ascends the reading of God's word. I wonder, as parents, if you were to write a book of instruction, a book of training for your children, after setting out what is the fear of the Lord, that's, I'm sure, where we would all land. Okay, the first thing they need to know is the fear of the Lord, as faith in, in Christ, the gospel. After explaining that and setting that out, how would we begin this book of instruction? What would we want our children to know? What would be that first piece of advice to tell our sons? Remember, Proverbs is written to all of God's people, but it's, it's packaged in the way of a father and mother, but specifically a father's words to his son. We see that here, my son, hear the instruction. Listen to your mother's teaching. So how does Proverbs begin? Would we begin this way? Would, would our first piece of advice, our first relating the, the wisdom of the Lord to our children be to understand the enticement of sinners or to, to update that language, to understand the dangers of sinful peer pressure? Would we begin there? 
Is that how we would set out the wisdom of the Lord? Be aware of the group. Be aware of the gang. Those who would bring you in. Those who would adopt you as their own and their influence and where they would go. Is that how we would seek to instruct? Well, when you think of it, when you think that these, these are words to a young son who is coming of age, who is simple and needs to be filled with wisdom, it makes sense to begin there. It makes sense to begin with the group that he could be ensnared with. We know that in ourselves, we know that in our youth, that the youth are so governed by their peers, so governed by the gang, the enticement of sinners, the majority appeal. And so for the, for the, the wise father of Proverbs to begin there makes sense. In fact, that's where the Psalter itself begins. When you think of Psalm 1, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So the song book of God himself begins with a call not to follow after sinners, not to sit in their presence, not to follow in their way. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, Paul, probably quoting from a known proverb of the day, says, "...bad company ruins good morals." And so for your adolescent children, those on the verge of adulthood, those ready to walk out into the world, it's be aware of the danger. Beware of the influence and enticement of sinners. Parents, be aware of that. Be aware of that in your schools. Be aware of that in your families. It's so easy to send children off to be raised by others, to send them to the experts and expect them to send back to you their cho- your children who are all grown and wise and understanding, but that's not the school's responsibility, nor is it their, their task. They can't. They can't do that. Maybe the school can instruct and head knowledge, but it's your responsibility as parents to raise your children in the fear of the Lord. It's your responsibility as parents to train them to be aware of the enticement of the very thing that they are exposed to in school itself, their peers. So much danger can be brought in for our children, not necessarily by what they're taught in schools. That certainly can be a danger. But not necessarily that. So much danger is in the influence of those who are their friends. And so you, boys and girls, you young adults, as you are in school, heed the instruction of the father of Proverbs that says, let your friend group be those who are righteous. Turn away from those who would entice you. Turn away from that group that seeks to pull you into sin. And yet this isn't a problem alone for young children. This isn't a problem alone for teenagers. It's actually quite comical when you look at the studies of those who will deny what they believe if the majority group around them is saying something different. They've done that. They've taken individuals and in a controlled setting where everyone else around this unsuspecting person says one thing and they know already that that person doesn't believe it. They've said elsewhere that this is not their stance. Well, that person to conform to the group majority will say the opposite of what they believe. This is a attack we all face, the enticement of the group, the enticement of the majority, it does propel so much sin. A lot of the agendas of the world, the LGBTQ agenda, the abortion agenda, so much of it isn't an argument on what's moral, what's right. So much of it is what people want and what people think. That's what they do to drive it. Everyone wants this. Everyone believes this. And if you don't, you're outside the group. 
Proverbs tells God's people, don't fall for that. The Father, our Father of Proverbs, we can all refer to Him as that, instructs us as His children, don't hear that. Don't listen, don't be wooed by the world, by the group, by the gang. This is probably better referred to, this gang of sinners as they run around seeking to to abuse and, and sin against others. And so what does the Father do? We see in this passage... The father's first lesson to his son is to choose between the beauty of wisdom's way or the death of sinful peer pressure. Choosing between the beauty of wisdom's way or the death of sinful peer pressure. And he begins in verses 8 and 9 to unfold the enhancing beauty of wisdom. That will be our first point, the enhancing beauty of wisdom. And then the father's warning of the deadly enticement of sinners and the father's assessment. But first, enhancing beauty of wisdom. Look at verses 8 and 9. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Children need to be trained in what is right, as we all do, and it is the parent's responsibility to do just that. Even if parents, you send kids to be educated somewhere else, it is still your responsibility to train them in the fear of the Lord, to instruct them your job isn't done, and in some ways it's made more difficult. In some ways, now you have to come in and monitor all that's been taught. And that's your responsibility to do that, to do that well, to walk alongside your children, to be there to know what they are facing and to guide them and to show them, no, don't follow this way. Here's the danger. Here's the problem. It's significant as well that mothers are mentioned. Significant in that, in that wise literature of this ancient world that it's the father and the mother that are given this responsibility. Mothers are not left out. This is a parental unit's responsibility. Too often in our houses, what it ends up being is the the school's responsibility or, or it's just the mother's responsibility. No, it's a father and a mother. Fathers, train your children. Instruct them. You are just as much responsible to walk with your children, to instruct and train them and give to them wisdom as your, as anyone else is, in fact, more so because you're their spiritual head. You're their authority. Mothers do the same. Get excited about that. Don't pass that off. The most rewarding thing as a parent is to train in the fear of the Lord is to pass on wisdom and what you've learned and adopt what the father of Proverbs himself does. a Not a pleading, but an urging. Listen to my instruction. Listen to these wise words. And you'll notice the approach of the parents' wisdom here. How do they approach it? Their response isn't to let their children figure it out. It's not just let's let the son learn his own way. He needs to figure it out. He'll figure it out, right? That's not what he says. He warns him of everything that's going on. He doesn't give the son an opportunity to go sow his wild oats. It baffles me how how much we as Christians will think that that's okay, that they're just young kids and that they should go out and just go through that period of life. We did it. Why don't they? And that's just foolishness. It's not the way of wisdom or Proverbs. That's not what the father of Proverbs does. He would do anything to keep his son from following that path. We're being enticed by sin. Not to sow wild oats. In fact, as you see when you you read these verses, he passes judgment on what's going on. He doesn't sugarcoat it. He says what they're doing, how they're going after the righteous, how they're like Sheol, they're swallowing them up. 
He tells his son the truth. And then notice, he proclaims beauty. You see, it's, it's so much more as parents than just saying what's right and wrong. Do this. This is the right way. Do this. It's an expression of what's right and true. It's an expression of what is dear to you. It's an expression of beauty. The Father believes the way of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, and all of the wisdom of God is the most beautiful thing. And it enhances the beauty of himself. It enhances the beauty of his son if he, are, if he were to adopt it. It's garland around his, his head. It's a pendant around his neck. That garland and a pendant, what were those used for in the ancient world? Well, it was a mark of victory. It was the sign of, of respect, having achieved great things, having won. That's what wisdom does to the son. That's what it does to us. It enhances the beauty of all. And the Father doesn't just instruct and say, do, do, do. It's, it's son, see the better way. See the beauty. And how do you as parents show the beauty of wisdom and show the beauty of following the Lord? Will you live it? You find it beautiful. You find it amazing. And you replace the enticement of sinners. And we'll get into this. It's enticing. Boy, is there a strong hold that sin brings, and temptation doesn't need any more strength to pull us in. It's there. And what the Father does is He says, but here, see this beauty. See what's better. Believe it. Know it. Live it. That's the call to, to parents to replace the enticement of sinners and that draw with a greater, more beautiful draw that will, will enhance the beauty of His Son. And second, the Father's warning of the deadly enticement of sinners. You see this begin in verse 10. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will all have one purse. See, what the Father is doing here in explaining the enticement of the sinners is he's giving three ways by which these, these sinners, by this gang, will entice, will motivate, will seek to draw in his son. And he's saying, beware of these attacks, beware of these draws. Three ways we are motivated to sin. And when you put it in the following way, you see how applicable it is to our life. What's the first way, the first motivation, the first way to draw in? It's the thrill of sin. The thrill of sin. You see this in verses 11 and 12. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole. Like those who go down to the pit, you see they're amping it up. Come, come with us, do these things, and sin is thrilling. I don't think that's a shock to any of us. Sin is thrilling. It draws us in. It awakens our old nature, and we want it. It entices us. Proverbs 9, verse 17 says, Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. What that proverb is saying is, we, we behave this way. Stealing is better. It's more exciting. Drinking water that is stolen, drinking or eating bread that we've taken, eating that in secret, having got away with it, it's the thrill of sin. Sin is seductive. 
Lust is seductive. It brings with it a certain pleasure and excitement because we are sinful. We still have an old man within us. And the Father is warning him because there's a strong enticement simply because sin is thrilling. You see, our minds tell us adultery is more exciting than marriage. Our minds tell us that violence is better than meekness. Our minds tell us that greed and gain easily without hard work, that's better. It's more exciting. And so the Father says, beware, beware of sin's thrill. Notice the gang's indulgence is gleeful. They're lying in wait. They can't wait. They are relishing the ambush. They're relishing being like Sheol. We, we are thrilled with violence, is what they say. And that's specifically what the Father's talking about. Don't be persuaded by violence. And we are such a violent culture, are we not? The thrill of entertainment, is see, the thrill of sin is seen, and the thrill of violence, I should say, is seen in the thrill of entertainment. So much of what entertains us is violent, an expression of violence. And we have so many words that show that we like to be, we want to be the ones to exercise power over another. And that's what the gang is offering. Of strength in our midst. You'll overcome all. None can touch you. We have all these ways of talking, all these ways of saying, you know, I would have punched out that guy if I knew what he did. I'll, I'll kick his butt for that. What do you think about that? Do you want to take it outside? These ways that we want to show our power, and the game gives it to us. Isn't the city we live so close to throttled by this very truth, sometimes brought to a standstill by the, the gangs that walk around being thrilled by sin, drunk on power and violence. And we're not so far removed from that ourselves. We may not seek gang membership to gain a power in that way, but we seek it in other ways. We can be enticed. The influence of the sinful group or gang speeds us along the pathway that hardens sin. That's a vital point that you understand. It's a point that Psalm 1 makes. It's a point that Paul makes in 1 Corinthians 15. The influence of the sinful group speeds us along the pathway that hardens sin. You might walk in sin on your own. You might be enticed by all the sins from your own flesh, and yet be drawn into a group, into a peer group that entices that to sin itself, and that process speeds up a hundredfold, a thousandfold. It is being part and being surrounded by other like-minded sinners, a peer group that encourages it, go a little bit further, they outdo each other in showing the thrill of this sin. You could almost imagine the, the son of Proverbs 1 responding, Oh, come on, Dad, I've never done this before. Do you really think so poorly of me that I would be swayed by the sinful gang, by these groups that run around and do these things? Do you really think I'd be pulled along? Our friends matter. Those around us matter, and they can pull us along a path that we end up believing and doing something we would have found utterly abhorrent only a short time before, but because of the influence of sinners who were pulled along that path. Alexander Pope expressed this tendency well. It's a little bit, it's a, it's a good quote, it's a little hard to follow in, this, in it, so pay attention, I'll explain it. He says, Vice is a monster of so frightful character 
as to be hated needs but to be seen, but seen too oft, too familiar that face, we first endure, then pity, then embrace. What's he saying? He's saying, vice is a monster of so frightful character. It's so bad. It's so wicked. It's so despicable that you just need to see it and you know it. To just look at it, you will say, yes, I hate that. Just needs to be seen. But then he says, but seen too oft, seen too often, becoming too familiar with that face, then what happens? Well, then we endure it. Then we pity it. Then we embrace it. And that process can happen so fast with the influence of the sinner's Walk not in their way, says Psalm 1. Don't be enticed by them, says the father of Proverbs. The second way, the second attraction or motivating factor of the group is enticement with easy wealth. Enticement with easy wealth. Verse 13, We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Come with us and we'll give you what you want. This ties in very well to the sermon this morning. Those who are pulled in by greed and by desire, it's enticement with what is gained easy. It's easy money. Now, the first motivation is just the thrill. It's excitement. It's, it's adrenaline. It's I like this feeling. I want this. It's thrilling. Now, this is a little bit more practical. This is just, hey, come with us and the world's your oyster. Come with us and you can have all you want. And you won't have to work. You won't have to sweat. It's easy. We'll just take it. It's greed. Why not pursue gambling? Why not pursue easy methods of wealth? Why not steal or at least put more hours on our time card? Why not defraud? Why not, as a business owner, not pay a good wage? Why not cheat on a tax return? Why not seek to gain in unlawful ways? Or in the real example of Proverbs here, why not steal and injure and murder to get it? We're one of the group. By doing this, we gain so much, so easily, it's so great. How easy it is to fall for a plan that promises a house filled with plunder and treasure, a house filled with TVs, skis, and ease. And fill it up. It's all there. It's enticing. Now, the third, the third attraction or motivating factor the gain gives. Remember, it's the thrill, it's easy gain, and now it's just companionship. Companionship. Verse 14, throw in your lot among us. We will all have one purse. You can be one of the boys, one of the group. You can belong. You have a family here. So much of sin, so much of the enticement of the the sinful group, the sinful peer pressure, and how they bring you in is you can belong. You're here. You have a group. You have friends, powerful friends. We'll be behind you. Companionship. It offers a community. Community that won't judge you in your pursuits and lusts, but in fact aid you in it, will will be there with you in it. You see, not all of that companionship is, is, is a fraud. Not all of it is just them lying to you. No, you will really belong. Now, it's wrong what they're doing. They're, they're heading straight to hell in their pursuit, but they are doing it together. Friendship companionship we can gain that fellowship these peer groups and peer pressure offer a companionship 
but it's a companionship of death. See, at first, when you read the Father's words of, of this gang and their way of seduction and enticement, you might read and think, well, that doesn't seem like that would be that much of a threat. But when you say it this way, you see how much it is. How these three ways bring us into sin, let alone those who walk away. The thrill, easy life, greed, companionship. Incidentally, all of those things are offered in the beauty of wisdom, but in the best way. You see, there is an answer, and that's that extending the Father does of the beauty of wisdom. You see, it's not all sacrifice. It's not, okay, you can't have thrill, and you can't have excitement, and you can't have provision, and you can't have companionship. No, you can have all of that, but in a better way, in a righteous way. Honestly, with the church. What is more thrilling than a close walk with God? Where your heart is open and outpouring to Him and it's beautiful. What is greater than those times when you're lost in prayer and it's the best thing ever and you're so at peace? What gives more provision than our God who gives to us our daily needs? who watches over us, and through hard work that he says, you gain understanding, you gain wealth, you gain provision, and he's providing for you, and it's the better way. What greater companionship then that do we find than in Christ himself and in, and in his bride, each other? Here we are, all that the gang can offer, the church offers better, but it's not, as I'm going to put it this way, it's not as sexy. It's not as enticing, no. It doesn't seem as glamorous as what they can offer, but it's far better, and that's what the father of Proverbs is saying. Praise the Lord for this warning. But does the way of wisdom and the fear of the Lord make a better offer? And that's the father's assessment. Here's our third point, the father's assessment. Notice, notice what he does. He knows, and he knows their situation. He knows his son's situation enough to give an assessment. And again, parents know the situation of your kids. Be after their heart. You know, training isn't an assembling of a robot. You're not just trying to give them input of information and hope that they'll just spit out what you did. Like you can just boop, 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 and there they go and walk in the way you want them to walk. That's, that isn't Proverbs. That's not the instruction of Proverbs. It gets at the heart. It gets What the father wants is his son to hear and evaluate and ask questions and say, but dad, what about this? How do you respond to this? It's training of the heart. It's shaping the heart. It's shepherding their hearts. That's the way, and that's what the Father does. He says in verse 15, My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths, for for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. He's centering them on what is moral and right. He's pointing out, look at what they're doing. Don't be enticed. The Father declares in the next verses the irony as well, that in the process of shedding the blood of innocence, they'll actually shed their own blood. Look at these verses. Look at verses 17 and 18. Verse 17, For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird, but these men lie in wait for their own blood. What he's saying is birds are wise enough to know a trap when it's being laid and they can see it. I'd have to ask some of the hunters among us if that's, if that's true, if they've experienced this, if they're laying a trap and birds see that, how that plays out. But that's the, that's the imagery here. It's even a bird, even an animal, when they see you there, ready to take their life, won't stick around. 
They'll run. And yet the father is saying, but these men lie in wait for their own blood. They're lying in wait. They're saying they're going to gain this. They're going to plunder them. And what they've done is set a trap for themselves. The ambush that they were going to spring on others ultimately slams on their own heads. In verse 19, such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. He's saying there is a better way. There is a way of true gain. There's a way of righteous gain. There's a way in which you won't destroy yourself in a trap that won't spring on your own head. These are rather blatant examples. I already mentioned the gangs in Chicago. What's amazing is you could literally take this text and almost with no translation, no updating of language, send it there, and it applies so directly with everything going on. Sort of that prime example. Here, here they are in their gangs and what happens to them. The violence that they perpetrate against others is so quickly brought against their own heads. They so quickly die before many of whom, before they've even reached the full potential of their even their bodies and strength. They die young. They die seeking a thrill. They die for easy gain. They die in sinful companionship, but nevertheless they die, and that's the Father's warning. Sin, just like those gangs, and applying it to our own situation, our own lives, just like that, their reward is death. That's what the Father is saying. The reward of these men is death. Leah. It isn't easy to walk against the flow of peer pressure because all too quickly, peer pressure becomes peer pleasure. That's what that quote from Hope said. So quickly it moves from just that feeling of, i got to conform to what's happening into truly desiring it being filled with pleasure in it. And that's why it so speeds you down. But the Father's first lesson, choosing between the beauty of wisdom's way or the death of sinful peer pressure, and that's where he begins, turn away. Walk not in the way of the fool. And we think back to verse 7 of this chapter. What is the way of wisdom? It's in the fear of the Lord. It's seeking in him true understanding, true knowledge, the the source of life itself. Rather than lay in ambush or seek innocent blood, the wisdom of Proverbs says to live self-sacrificially. You see, sinners, and the gang shows this, sinners love wealth and use people, but Christ loved his people and used all that he had for their need. I said that this morning as well. So many many ties into this morning's text to be made here. And this is how we find Christ. Remember, last time we talked about how Christ is that embodiment of the wise one. You see, he's the antithesis to this gang. Everything he did is the utter opposite of what they do. And what he offers is much better. He's the one that fulfills it. And then we are called to walk in that way. To walk in the way of wisdom is to walk in the way of Christ. Verse 14 says it. Verse 14 says... Sinners say, throw in your lot among us. But the gospel calls to throw your lot in with Christ. That's the way of wisdom. And children of God, hear your Father's instruction. Don't be enticed by sinners. 
Don't seek the thrill that sin offers. Don't hide behind what is right and good work to the Lord and seek easy wealth and easy gain. Don't seek companionship with vipers. It results in death. And by contrast, the Father is saying, walk in the way of life. Walk how he began. Walk in the way that is beautiful, a graceful garland, a beautiful pendant that shows a victory, that shows strength, that in essence shows the wisdom of Christ. Amen. Let's go before our Savior. Father in heaven, we come before you. We know that you truly are the Father, that you instruct your people in wisdom, and that the greatest wise instruction that could be given is in Christ. And we see that in Proverbs. The the Proverbs are the wisdom of Christ. It's what he's done and what he does. And we are called to imitate that, and we pray that we would. Please, we, we beg of you to protect us from the enticement of sin and sinners that the thrill would be dulled, that we would not seek the thrill of sin, but we would seek what is far better, far greater, that we would not seek what is easy gain, what is wrong and sinful, but that we would seek to love you and through that to gain all things, and that we would not seek companionship with sinners, that we would not seek fellowship with the devil, but that we would seek the true beauty of wisdom, the fear of the Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.